Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another uh, episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast and Radio Extravaganza. Coming to you, as always, live from high atop the Mellow Mushroom in downtown Franklin, Tennessee, and simultaneously from the opposite side of the continent, from the left coast, joined here by my uh, co-host, the inimitable, the uh, Commodore, Aaron Porter. Hello, hello, Aaron. <laughs> Good morning. You were you were short on adjectives this morning. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, my mind is spinning. We have big questions to tackle today. We're going to talk about 12-step recovery and whether uh, or not, and if so, how it might fit with the Christian faith. Uh, it, oh, yeah, we got we, we got we got places to go. Uh, but meanwhile, uh, for those of you who don't know, if you're here for the first time, I'm uh, your congenial host, Nate Larkin, here with uh, our fearless, peerless engineer, Mondo Grimes. Hey, Mondo. Hey, buddy. And uh, we've we've got a guest waiting in the wings, uh, really looking forward to this conversation. We're going to have a great time. And uh, all of this put together, uh, the magic has been done by our executive producer, Jay Spiegel. Our thanks to Jay. Well, guys, uh, I don't know uh, how, how it's looking out there in San Luis, uh, Aaron. You weren't threatened by fire, were you? No, fire this week is in Colorado. Have you guys been spared fire so far this summer? Oh, yeah. We have yeah. no fires around us. I, I think there was something in Southern California, but, yeah. you know. It, Any it, mudslides? Mudslides, <laughs> earthquakes? It, it's, it's not our deal, man. Riots? I don't think we've... Uh, I know you try to you try to make people feel like I don't live in paradise, but but no, I've I've had, I've had little cherubs uh, bring to me uh, sausages and grilled peppers for breakfast this morning, so that's that's my life. Right. Um, now, Aaron, uh, you were tripping the light fantastic last night, late last night, weren't you? Uh, yeah, with the East Street was, Band. Or, did, did, did you say I was tripping the light fantastic? I don't know. You were actually playing in a band <laughs> sometimes. What were you doing? Yeah, we did. We had a great. We actually had one of our pub nights last night, which was great. Oh. We packed twenty people in in our pub here, which is fun because my sons get to uh, dress up in their suits and ties and fedoras and aprons and serve. Mm-hmm guests and they love that in the summers they get to do yeah. that and stay up late and we had special guests uh lots of friends but no one had ever been to a pub night so all special guests had our old drummer come back and play and just had a great night uh we just we just have a good good time with pub nights uh so it it was it was a very good evening and we had the boys had prepared pub food all day, although it wasn't typical. It was uh, they had made homemade baba ganoush, so they were roasting eggplants to make baba ganoush and uh, and barbecuing sausages and 
and the bell peppers, which I am having leftovers for breakfast, because, you know, why not? I, I don't yeah, think there's nothing like bell breakfast peppers, food. Right? Gotcha. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, yeah, it was just uh, it was a great day yesterday. We had a lot of fun, and the boys are sleeping in because they can. Oh, <laughs> Thank yeah. you very much, Pirate Monk Radio. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Mondo, anything uh, new to report? Man, not much, man. Just uh, I'm just in the whirlwind of work right now, so you know I, I haven't really come up for air. Uh, yeah. But uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to the uh, July Fourth weekend. You know that that's when I'll be coming up for the first time. So just in in a, in a whirlwind, but everything is great, man. Family's great. Uh, wife is good. Kids are good. Doing well, man. Okay. All right. Well. Yeah, I sympathize with the whirlwind. We're uh, Allie and I are in the whirlwind now of uh, evaluating treatment options. Uh, looking forward to meetings with oncologists, and then, uh, you know, we're getting all kinds of contradictory advice, uh, a mountain, a blizzard of information about treatment op- options. What do we do with her, uh, you know, the next steps in her uh, breast cancer treatment? Do we do radiation? Now, do we do chemo? Nate, are are you finding that everybody yeah. pol- politely comes up and has a different homeopathic idea? that they try to force on you guys? You know, we get we get some of that. What I was astonished to discover was how many of my friends, uh, my male friends, uh, have uh, wives or girlfriends who've been through this. Uh, it's amazing how many uh, fellas have contacted me and said, hey, uh, if you, you know, if you need, need some help navigating this, I'm here. If you want some advice, if you want references, um, Allie's getting, uh, and, and Allie is connecting with a lot of, uh, survivors or, you know, pe- people who, uh, are in the treatment world. And yeah, there is, um, you know, there's a ton of advice and uh, definitely some contradictory currents. We're going to have to think long and hard, talk long and hard, pray long and hard, and then, you know, decide, make the decision. I'm not going to make that decision for Allie. I want to participate in it. But uh, we're going to have to make some choices here in the next couple of weeks of where we go. I'm I'm going to do a service to our listeners because we want want our listeners to be smarter than the average Christian. And I'm going to do a service to them right now. Okay. Look it up, man. This is this this is equipping the body of Christ. If you if you happen to know how to cure cancer through a diet or a drink (laughs) or a juicing product, and and I mean you know it is the way. I want to encourage you when you find out that a friend or a random person that you don't know very well has cancer, there are ways to appropriately come up to them and say, hey, I just wanted to let you know I have some some thoughts on this that I have learned over the years, and if you would like to hear more about it, let me know. Here's my phone number. Mm. And then walk away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is my deep encouragement for you, because <laughs> I have walked I have walked through cancer with a lot of people, yeah. and I don't think you know how many people go up to folks who have cancer 
and they immediately inundate them with the whole spiel. Yeah. And they have been inundated with person after person after person who are convinced they have the cure for whatever they're going through. And they're going through a big emotional time where they're getting so much information from doctors and lay people and it feels incredibly frustrating and it doesn't feel loving anymore. Yeah. So it does feel loving when somebody says, hey, I have some thoughts. If you would like it, let me know. And then that feels cool. So to be a cool person that is loving, that's the way to roll. And that's today's advice on how to be a loving Christian. <laughs> well, thank you for that public service announcement. And uh, Allie actually has not ventured out into public a lot. Uh, however, I I have – it's amazing. As I've been walking downtown, uh, I came back one day and told Allie, I feel like I'm married uh, to Ferris Bueller. Um, because it seemed like every other person was stopped being said, you know, I'm praying for your wife. How's your wife doing? You know, I felt like Ferris's sister in the movie. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, well, it's it's good to be cared about, and we do appreciate just, folks who care for don't, us. Don't end, don't end up in jail making out with Charlie Sheen by the end. That's all I'm saying, Nate. <laughs> all right. Well, on that uh, discomforting image. We'll take a break. We'll be back in just a second on the Pirate Monk Podcast. The only way to love a soul is in its parts and broken whole. To peer into its darkest space and offer up the deepest grace. Love that proves itself is true Rejoices in the hardship too Only love will suffer long Then in trouble carry on Love hurts A deep pain And gets worse But love True love will not tally score It only loves a little more And when all things have come apart Thus the union of the heart Love hurts A deep pain And gets worse But love And we're back on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Uh, say, I got a an email this week from a friend, a guy named uh, Jim Vanderspeck, who writes, who's written a book called Overcoming Lust. Uh, Jim is very much in this fight. He's not from a 12-step background. Uh, he found freedom through another route, uh, has a bit of uh, an ambivalent attitude towards some 
12-step terminology, and I certainly understand that, having come through that world, but coming from uh, you know, a Christian background. Uh, he invited me to step into the conversation to be a guest blogger on his site, and with all that Ali and I are involved in in the next few weeks, I had to decline. However, I think maybe uh, bits of what he's written some of it as yet unpublished. I hope he doesn't mind that I use it here to introduce our topic. I think it might be helpful to uh, uh, set up the conversation we're going to have with our terrific guest this week. Um, Jim found himself in an email discussion with uh, a young man uh, who's engaged in 12-step recovery, specifically a group called SA, Sexaholics Anonymous. There are several 12-step uh, groups out there. SA is uh, – uh, I'm very familiar with SA. There's also a group called SAA, uh, Sex Addicts Anonymous, that defines sexual sobriety slightly different. There's also uh, a Sex and Love Addicts, SLA, uh, as well as other smaller groups. Um, so Jim engaged in a conversation with this young man about um, his perspective as a Christian on 12-step uh, recovery, uh, essay specifically, what, what, what it does right and what it, his view uh, is not exactly right. Uh, and he takes a very charitable view. I really appreciate his perspective and his willingness to have the conversation and to invite other people into it. Uh, he writes this. I'm going to read just pieces of this blog. Uh, sexual sobriety, sexual sobriety, he says. This is a, a term that is used very often in 12-step recovery. I use it myself, sexual sobriety. Uh, Jim writes, here's how S.A. describes sexual sobriety. We're sexually sober when we have no sex outside of a traditional, legal, heterosexual marriage, no sex with self, and progressive victory over lust. I love that, Jim writes. However, I remain uncomfortable with the sobriety handle. I prefer victory over lust or freedom from lust. It's what Christ expects from his children. Many teachers leave out the victory over lust component. In contrast, SA properly focuses fully on it, calling for behavioral standards that do not target lust directly uh, going on inside are incomplete and unhelpful. And he makes uh, one other observation, sexaholic. He says, I like this term, I dislike this term, he said, for a number of reasons. It points to sex when the real problem is lust. Calling ourselves a sexaholic strikes me as defeatist. I think maybe this goes to the heart of most Christian critiques of 12-step recovery. Calling ourselves a sexaholic strikes me as defeatist. All of us have sinned. However, God has redeemed us. We need to proclaim this victory and let our light shine. Any thoughts there, Aaron? Yeah, I, I think I I totally get what he's saying. I think there's there's a lot of semantic issues here. So uh, so many issues that arise in our hearts come from the way words strike us, right? Mm-hmm. So what one word might be empowering to one person, so saying, for one person to say, I'm an alcoholic or a sexaholic, and reminding themselves of that every day to say, okay, I'm never going to 
not be this, therefore I always need to be on guard of this, can mm-hmm. be very empowering. Whereas yeah. to another person, that can feel very defeating. Yeah. Right. So therefore, I don't think that is important. What I think is important is to stay vigilant of what that person's struggle against the flesh and to remain uh, in the spirit is, right? To stay attached to their identity in Christ and walking in the spirit. Yeah. And to say, my flesh food craves this. My flesh loves this kind of food. Uh, and to know that the word the word lust, lust just comes from stuff that's good. Uh, the word in the in the Greek epithemio just means an overburning, and all lust just comes from a desire that's good. Usually, when we talk about lust, uh, people uh, think of sexual lust, mm-hmm. but but sexual desire is good. I'm supposed to want sex. I'm supposed to think that uh, naked women are hot. That's good. Yeah. It's just when I start to overburn with that, then all of a sudden I'm not thinking that my wife is the center of my affection. Yeah. And I start to think that every woman is my affection and all these false intimacies and lesser intimacies are just... And so then I start to overburn, and that's what lust is. That's when I'm mm-hmm. overburning, and I take those desires to uh, what becomes a perversion of a proper lust. Mm-hmm. So I, I hear his word triumph over lust, and at a semantic issue, though I hear what he says, my triumph over sin comes in Christ, and it's an ultimate triumph that's in Christ, which means I can still struggle in my flesh with lust and have triumph. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Right? I hope I hope that makes sense. Yeah. I walk in I walk in triumph because of the work of Jesus Christ. Yeah. But I know in my flesh I can still struggle with the desires of my flesh. Mm-hmm. So my triumph has to come up apart from my uh, thoughts or behaviors sometimes because I still live in this body of flesh. And I think Paul affirms that in both in what he says in Romans, which is often quoted, which, you know, I, I don't understand the things I do, what I want to do, I don't do. But also, even in Philippians at the end of his life, when he talks about, uh, you know, I just want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, but then he goes on to say, not that I have attained this, not that I have been perfected, but this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind. I'm not focusing on that, which is yet another problem people have with 12-step recovery, mm-hmm. but fixing my eyes to what is ahead so that I can attain this goal, this prize. And what is that? But to know Christ. Yeah. yeah. So I think I think it's, it's a big semantic thing where I know what his, his thrust is, and I think it's exactly right, but I think each of us gets hung up on certain words and yeah. we need to find the right vocabulary for ourselves that makes Christ central so that we aren't focusing on the sin, but we're focusing on the Savior. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Hey, let me step in here real quick uh, and introduce uh, Jim's he, – he had a little discussion as well on the term lust. He noted that the, the essay White Book on page 40 uh, describes lust as an attitude demanding that a natural instinct – 
serve an unnatural desire. Uh, and then he says, here's the definition that I like. Sexual lust, the illicit sexual buzz, is a willfully allowed, pleasurable gratification of a wrongfully directed sexual desire that takes place deep inside. It is sin, adultery in the heart. Essay calls lust wrong, he says, and harmful, but it seems to avoid calling it sin. Uh, yet another um, tension between 12-step recovery and classic Christian faith. Boy, we've got a lot of places to go. How about you, Mondo? Does this bring up any thinking for you? Man, um, I've had several conversations over the years uh, with guys, um, and it's amazing the, the difference between um, different different guys and what their definition of, of lust may be or their definition. You know, it's amazing that this is very common that I found. Um, mm-hmm. uh, those, those listening may think that this is this is one guy writing in, but I've, I've had these conversations quite a bit, and it really is a semantics thing. Um, but the, the, I, I, agree, I agree with Aaron, though, in the sense of, you know, we can get so tied up in words where we're not even talking about Christ anymore. You know, we're, yeah. we're, we're talking, we're, we're getting pent up on semantics. We're getting pent up on what this word means to me and how I interpret it. And we're not talking about what the actual word says regarding the word lust or regarding whatever we're, the, the word we're talking about, you know. And yeah. and I, I agree that sometimes we can get lost and lose our center which is Christ, we, we totally lose our center because we get so focused on, well, this means this to me, Nate, and it shouldn't yeah. mean that to you, too. Well, that's not yeah. the case. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. but, you know, I, I think Aaron, uh, with his articulation of it, uh, was, was was stellar. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, you know, this is all very personal for me. Uh, you know, I find it highly ironic that uh, I found I found from lust, my first taste of sexual sobriety, and a, a phrase that I've come to love. Um, yeah. Not not in church, although I grew up in church. It was in 12-step recovery. Uh, but then found that I really wanted to bring that same spirit that I had found there, the one that seemed so familiar, so classically Christian, back uh, into the church. Let's And to reintroduce my brothers and sisters to something that it seemed to me we had lost. Well, we've got a guest who has had, I gather, a similar experience. We have some background that's, that uh, is similar. Uh, I, I'm really looking forward to talking to this guy. When we come back, we're going to have a conversation with Tal Prince. We'll be right back on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Sovereign's wing 
And we're back in the Pirate Monk Podcast with Tal Prince, uh, the voice, the face, the personality behind uh, Tal Prince Live. Got a show on Sirius Radio. Uh, Tal Prince. Yeah. How do you how do you get a name like Tal Prince? Uh, no, that cool? name, do you have to name I'm, yourself I'm, Tal Prince? Uh, oddly enough, the same way you got yours name. Your names I make up. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no, Nate. Nate makes up my names. So, uh, <laughs> good to know. <laughs> now, now uh, Tal, you're joining us from Birmingham, Alabama. That is right. Are you Birmingham born and bred? I am not. I uh, his name. His parents... name is wait, wait. His name is Tal Prince, and you asked yeah. if he's Birmingham born and bred. <laughs> Yeah, that is the dumbest question that has ever been asked on Pirate Punk Radio. Now, don't and don't don't deign to answer that question. Well, I mean, I don't know. It, it does make sense. I mean, each name only has one syllable, so it's possible. Um, but uh, no, the, the, Fair the enough. I, I grew up uh, and I moved 14 times as a kid growing up. So my father was uh, in corporate America, so we were corporate commandos. When I tell people I moved that often, the first question is, oh, are we in the military? Yeah. Um, well, in a way, yes, um, but not not in, not for the government. Uh, my dad yeah. was a corporate commando, and we moved and moved and moved and moved and moved and moved, which, you know, oddly is a is a is a big part of my story because, um, you know, I I grew up learning very quickly um, that imperfection is not allowed. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that's not lovable. That's not acceptable. Um, that was the message that I was interpreting. Um, you know, a, you know, as a kid, I came home one day. Um, and, you know, because there's some evil exercise that takes place in the educational system where, you know, first it's gold stars and that's great and cool, and then it's smiley faces and that too is awesome. Uh, and then there are letters, and then suddenly they start adding pluses and minuses to letters, mm. and then it switches to numbers, which are always evil. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the, the day I came home with a 99, you know, you had to come home and have the parents sign off on your schoolwork. And mm-hmm. the day I came home with a 99, you know, it was one of the most burning lessons I got. My dad said, what, couldn't get 100? Mm-hmm. Now, he was joking, but, you know, little kids, not great purveyors of sarcasm. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I didn't catch it. You know, I just thought, oh, geez, I'm Anything not perfect is not acceptable. So I was forging my parents' name in the third grade. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and the fact that your teacher bought crayon from your parents uh, in a signature was really said something about that educational system. (laughs) Well, you know, when when you're, I mean, the the first rule of dealing with addicts is all addicts are liars. And uh, and we get really good at it. Um, And so I was perfecting those skills very, very early. And uh, so, um, you know, that was that was just hard, you know. And so, you know, being a perfectionist, um, I I knew because failure comes. And and so I just but I knew I was going to get a do over every couple of years. We were going to move to a new town, a new place. Mm. So I became very adept at being a cultural chameleon. Mm-hmm. You know, you give me the culture, I'll fit into it. You just let me know where we're going to go, what the rules are, and I'll fit into it. Um, mm-hmm. and 
which was great for a business career of my own because um, I did international business, so that skill came in handy. But uh, for personal life, uh, it was really jacked up because I just always had that double life going where you didn't really know who I really was because I wanted to know who you would like and I would be that person. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, which is just, I mean, it's a hellish existence, you know, but you don't know what else to do. Uh, and so I did that for so, so long. And, and, and like I did say, I mean, I, I've been in church since I was a fetus, man. I mean, there's never been a day that I wasn't there. Um, you know, we were always there, always there, always there. But I knew that, uh, you know, after being exposed to pornography in a treehouse at eight, um, mm-hmm. I knew I couldn't talk about, you know, my struggle with any of that. I, I knew that would be um, – people would just freak out. And, you know, and I thought they might bring back stoning or, um, <laughs> you know, stockade or some cruel and unusual punishment for me. Uh, so I was just determined not to let anybody know. And, again, imperfection is not lovable. So I'm, there I am in my trap. Yeah, and and not knowing what to do um, about it, but still having that craving and that and that compulsion, uh, and and so we started on porn at eight, and and kept that going. Really started uh, sexual activity at around the age of twelve, um, and as I look now, I've got two daughters, one eleven and one eight, you know, one nine, mm-hmm. and I just mm-hmm. shudder to think. You know, when you look back at your story, you're thinking, well, I was eight, then I was 12. Um, but when you look at a nine and 12 year old today, you're like, holy cow, that's tiny. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. Yeah. You know, and it takes on a completely different character as I look at my own kids, you know, and, and reflect on my story and, and where they are in their world is so, so dark and difficult um, to look at. And I, and I think about, well, what type of pain was I really in? You know, when I look at them mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. Uh, now what, what, what kinds what kinds of churches? Because you know, since you had been in the church from the fetus, but you were in a very perfectionist home, was mm-hmm. that just indicative of this corporate kind of perfection, or were you in perfectionist, legalist kind of churches as well? I think a little bit of both. I, I grew up uh, grew up mostly in Southern Baptist homes, um, you know, Southern Baptist churches, you know, as, as we moved around. But then you get out to California and Oregon, and at, at that day, Southern Baptist didn't exist. Um, so we were in mm-hmm. Bible churches and community churches, but also, I mean, typically fairly fundamental. Um, you know, so there was that, um, and, and a lot that comes through people that have a real problem with 12-step. What I find is people that really buck against 12-step recovery in the evangelical world tend to be um, more from a from a fundamental, you know, really kind of hyper-fundamental stance very often, not always, but very often. Um, and, and so there is this you're not supposed to struggle mentality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, and and that was that was difficult. I'm ordained Southern Baptist. I'm just not angry about it. <laughs> <laughs> so you you have one of those smiley faces on your ordination paper from a first exactly grade right. teacher. Exactly right. <laughs> but I, well, I did now, notice the signature on my ordination certificate was forged. Ironically enough, <laughs> in crayon. 
<laughs> now, now that's a big jump. Um, help us fill in some more of the story. Um, yeah. You travel around, uh, you move around as a kid. Uh, you go off to college, I presume, and then into business. Went off to college, and uh, you know, I mean, it really, when I got to college, I knew I was called to ministry when I was eighteen. Absolutely knew mm-hmm. it. Absolutely, no doubt in my mind, convinced. Um, but was I, I? I don't know. I thought somehow um, that being really hooked on pornography and, and and loving sex so much was incompatible with a lifestyle of ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, so many have tried to prove me wrong, but I thought, geez, that doesn't really line up. And yeah, so yeah. I told God, no, not going to do that, and and ran. Uh, mm-hmm. So college, uh, I, you know, I got away from church. Um, then I uh, and I went into business, got into international business, uh, was traveling around the world, and uh, which is dangerous uh, for oh, a yeah. sex addict. And yeah. uh, so I was, was doing that, and, and you know, and I got married to my wife. I met my wife, um, and, and I met my wife at a Falcons football game of all places in the Georgia Dome. Um, and uh, I think they they had to put us together for a crowd shot. This was back in the day when the Falcons were terrible. Um, <laughs> And so I met my wife there, and I thought, you know, get married, this will fix it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because now I'll have all the God-ordained, God-sanctioned biblical sex I want, anytime I want. Yeah. Uh, because <laughs> no one tells you it doesn't work that way. Yeah, um, yeah. And no but one tells your, you. But then your wife tells you it doesn't work that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. Um, you know, and, and no one tells you that getting married doesn't solve any of your problems. It takes your greatest problems and puts them on steroids. No one tells yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and so you know, we got married, but while we were dating, she would say things like, "If I knew anyone that I was dating uh, was you know looking at pornography or you know going to strip clubs or anything like that, I would dump them." Mm-hmm. So, quick note to self. Never, ever, ever let her find out. <laughs> you know, I mean, just, you know, I mean, yeah. just can, can just drove me underground, and and you know, cause I knew that I loved her, and I knew I wanted to be with her, and, but I knew I couldn't tell her that because she would leave, and so there's the trap, right? Yeah. Uh, and and uh, we got married. It uh, was doing international business. Uh, then uh, we started working with a youth group. We we got transferred uh, from San Diego uh, to Savannah, Georgia, by way of Wayne, New Jersey. Oh. Uh, I, I know, dude. I mean, this is a sure sign that I've gone horribly awry in life. <laughs> um, and so, but we got to Savannah. And we started working with a with a group of high schoolers, and and because my youth group experience in high school was fantastic, I loved it, and yeah. Uh, and so I was really wanting to give that back, and uh, so we're working with the kids, and it was through that that God called me back to ministry, and I was in a hotel room in Seoul, Korea, uh, and it was one in the morning. It was one of those times you just you know God's not letting you sleep, and you just go, okay, what, <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> Yeah, and uh, so I, you know, I started praying and and um, and really, you know, heard very clearly. It's it's time for you to come back and do what I've called you to do. And and, and I was white knuckling recovery at that point. You know, once I got mm-hmm. married, I'm like hanging on. I'm like, okay, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this. I got to be faithful. And uh, you know, so I'm I'm having the typical kind of you know white knuckle roller coaster, doing well, screwing up, and you know when I'm caught, just stone cold. Just you know, Bill Clinton. I did not download that poem. You know, just yeah. whatever. <laughs> I get it. You know, 
it wasn't me. I didn't do it. Your brother-in-law was over here. He's a creep. It's probably him. You know, I mean, just anything, <laughs> anything I could find, uh, anything that I could get to, to to find a way out of it that was acceptable. And she never believed me. She just knew I wasn't going to admit it. Yeah. And so she would give up the fight because it was just pointless. Yeah. Um, and so she was in a trap. I was in a trap. Um, and we, we got here to seminary, uh, so we got to Birmingham. I came to Beeson Divinity School here in Birmingham, Alabama, and sat in a counseling class. She took all of my classes with me. So um, like any good addict, I'm like reading through the, you know all the syllabi to find out, is anyone going to talk about porn, adultery, anything like that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And 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 sure enough, in the in the uh, in the in the pastoral counseling class, there was like a whole week on it, and so I put that class off and off and off, and you know, hoping maybe she'd get tired of coming to classes or something. Um, but she she never did, and so we're sitting in class one day, and our professor brought in this speaker who went through you know porn and sex addiction, and he's talking about the numbers, and I swear I was just amazed because I thought I was the only one. Yeah. You know, and I knew I was making good money uh, when I was in international business, uh, mm-hmm. but I wasn't making that much money. Uh, you know that I could be making up the whole porn economy. So I was mm-hmm. like, wow. Uh, but he started talking about where this stuff comes from and how it starts, and my wife is sitting there, and she's going, huh? So she starts saying to me <laughs> that day, you know, if that were a problem for you, I wouldn't mm-hmm. leave. We could get through it. Wow. And I didn't man, I didn't believe that for anything. I thought mm-hmm. that's a trick. No way. <laughs> I've held on to this for thirty years, Jack. I'm not giving it up now. Um yeah. you know, and, and so I I'm I'm fighting, I'm fighting, I'm fighting, I'm fighting, and she's just this sustained assault of grace on my head every yeah. day. If that were a problem, I wouldn't leave you. We could we could get through it. And uh so one day uh, because the, the bottom line for me was that I would never go outside the marriage physically. That was that had been the thing. I'm like, I would never do that. Mm-hmm. I would never do that. Um, and on my last international trip to Asia, um, doing business in Asia has a very different culture. And, and um, there was a there was a woman waiting in my hotel room when I came back. Mm-hmm. And 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 I made what uh, what I what I call uh, the greatest 12 second mistake of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in that place, and uh, it stopped it and got her out of there. But then I, you know, I was just I was suicidal. I was just racked. I mean, I crossed that line. You know, I was just devastated. But I never told uh, my wife about it. Never. Uh, and so she's saying this to me and saying it, and I'm I'm fighting, I'm fighting, and finally I'm having I'm on the verge of the greatest panic attack I'd ever had, um, and I just knew I had to tell her. Um, and so so desperate was I to tell her that I didn't even take time to remove the knives, which would have been a smart move. Um, <laughs> but I, I just said, "Okay, I got I got to tell you something." And so I brought her into my 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 little office there, and, and I and I and I told her everything. And um, I got the reaction I never expected because she smiled. Mm. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? Mm-hmm. But it was so validating because I had been such a crazy maker, and I had I had given her I I'd, I'd so invalidated her thoughts that she wondered if she was going crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, 
And so now she, you know, she's validated. She's like, I wasn't crazy. So she's actually relieved. But we didn't quite know what to do, and so we did the typical Christian couple uh, mm-hmm. quick. I'm sorry, do you forgive me? Yes, I forgive you. What do we do now? Let's pray. Amen, ready, break. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now what? Yeah. And we didn't really know what to do. And, um, and so it was it was another couple of years before we got into any type of a counseling program for it. Mm-hmm. And it was there that I found the 12 steps. Um, I went through rehab. Um, you know, I, you know, I, so I've I've been through it. So I, I you know, I'm an unapologetic uh, follower of the 12 steps. But I don't think I and I don't. But I'm quickly I'm quick to say it doesn't mean that that is the only way. If you have another yeah, yeah. way, great for you. Great for you. Um, but it is it is vital to my life. Um, and, and you know, I'm I'm still doing a lot of meetings and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, doing mm-hmm. all that work, man, because I need it. Yeah. And, now I want to yeah, yeah. pause here before we jump into the 12-step and the recovery question because uh, to help people, you know, will like you, and they're still not sure why I interrupt Nate and the guests, and they say, who is that person? (laughs) They mostly like Nate. (laughs) And this is very relevant to his life and the teaching he learned growing up. So we're going to put him on the couch for a second. (laughs) Nate, bring your story into this for a moment and the way you were taught in your legalistic Pentecostal home about why 12-step recovery was crap? Um, yeah. Well, for one thing, we had it was I grew up in a very legalistic home, so it was uh, a, a focus on holiness, and holiness very much is defined by behavior. And at the top of the spectrum of sins, uh, or the bottom, depending on which way you're looking at it, is sexual sin, right? Well, it's kind of in a category all its own. So, um, uh, so rather than talking, you know, so purity was a big issue, sexual purity, as though that's even attainable. I think Jesus made the point that sexual purity is not even attainable. Uh, pretty famous exchange there when he challenges a group of guys on that. Uh, have you ever looked at a woman with lust in your heart? But anyway, we we believed very much in purity, in holiness. Um, I didn't believe in looking back. We had we believed passionately in healing, uh, which we defined almost exclusively as instant healing. We didn't have a lot of patience for progressive healing. If it was miraculous, then it happened suddenly. I mean, you came to the front and boom, you know, uh, you got a bolt of lightning and then you were changed. And that's the kind of change I was looking for, not slow change, immediate change. Uh, so quick answers. Uh, and I heard my dad preach against AA. I don't think my dad really knew much about AA, uh, but he was deeply offended that uh, a Christian would ever be forced to say, I am an alcoholic. And, and dad would thunder from the pulpit uh, uh, on, a, a, a regular, on a regular basis. You are not an alcoholic. You are, uh, you know, old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Uh, you know, walk in your identity. And there's certainly truth in what he was saying. But anyway, that was my 
that was my that what set me up for my programming, my initial resistance to twelve step recovery. And then, you know, add to that my own uh arrogance, intellectual and spiritual arrogance, uh this idea that I had to and could tackle anything on my own. Uh a ton of shame really was a huge mm-hmm. issue that came was transmitted through uh, my legalistic Christian upbringing. Um, my, you know, I was raised in a home and in churches that did their best to shame us out of sin. And I internalized that and used the same strategy on myself after leaving home. So I beat myself to death with shame, thinking that I could shame my way. Uh, you know, I could beat myself up into a better place, uh, shame myself out of sinning. So anyway, yeah. So I resonate. I'm sure, uh, Tal, that that's you know. Uh, does that sound familiar to you? Same kind of stuff. Oh, jeez, dude. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like maybe we grew up in the same house. Um, <laughs> although yeah. my dad was not a minister, um, I found out after I went. I found out he he died of cancer, um, and so I was. You know, Aaron, I appreciate what you had to say at the top of the broadcast about uh, you know, how to approach people with that. And Nate, I'm very sorry to hear about your wife, and we'll be praying for for both of y'all as y'all review options. And I and I know that's a, a frightening and difficult place. Um, but you know, my my dad died of cancer, but I, you know, I and I grew up. But when I went to seminary, uh, was where I was going. When I went to seminary, I found out that my dad actually also felt called to ministry. Had never heard that before. Um, but he didn't. He ran from it and went into went into business. Um, too, but um, you know, we 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 throw so much shame on ourselves because I, I I feel I feel that no one will be harder on me than me. Yeah, uh, you know, because I know mm-hmm. I've got a problem, but I'm not going to let you know I got a problem. But I will I will beat myself into submission. I will beat myself there. Um, yeah. You know, which is kind of one of my you know running jokes. What I say about porn is, hey, you can't beat it alone. You've been fine. <laughs> um, um, you know, you just can't get there. You got to knock that off. So, but but you try it on your own. Um, and, and but this is the beauty of the twelve steps for me. It is that you know what? I can't. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I can't. And, and and there's nothing that I can do. But I never heard in church growing up anything other than this really toxic shame. Um, you know, dispensed from pulpits and from other, you know, Bible study teachers and things. And, and you know, now being in it, I've, I've found, and I, I'm sure you have too, the ones screaming the loudest and the angriest and the reddest yeah. in the face are usually the ones struggling with it the most. Right, exactly, uh, yeah. 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 And 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 they're trying to do to themselves, by right. yelling at us, they're trying to beat themselves uh, yeah. You know, out of the problem too. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I can have a lot more compassion for them now. Yeah, um, yeah. Than I did, um, you know, on on some days, and um, <laughs> you, you know, but the 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 twelve steps, we we well, we can never get away from the fact that, and I I think this is where a lot of the church fights twelve step mentality and twelve step philosophy is that the twelve steps start with the problem, not the solution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what what the church is saying is don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. here's my problem. My brain, your brain, the way God designed the brain, it's not capable of not doing. Yeah. If I say right now, listen, no matter what, no, no matter what happens, do not 
think of a red-striped elephant. Mm-hmm. You're screwed. Yeah, right. You're thinking yeah. of a red-striped elephant because yeah. I'm telling you what not to do. Well, your brain can't not do. Your brain's only going to do. And so the 12 steps, the whole energy behind them is here's what we did. Here's what we do. Yes. Um, as opposed to here's what you can't do. Here's what you better not do. Here's what you better stop doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and too many pulpits are here's what you can't do. You need to knock that off. You need to stop that. You need to stop that. And we go into churches on Sunday after Sunday, and pastors should all over us every Sunday. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Yeah. And 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 that's death. It's just death. The energy of the steps is forward momentum, but it starts with the problem, not the solution. Most Christians that I come up with that have a problem with the 12-step, at the end of the day, their real issue is they'd like to make step 11 step one. Yeah, right. You know, seeking through prayer and meditation to maintain my constant conscious contact with God. They want to make that step one. Say say that slower for people that don't like the 12-step, so they don't know step 11. Tal is about to say slower Step 11. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for the help on that. Um, Step 11 is that I sought through prayer and meditation to maintain my conscious contact with God. And he is saying that they want to make that step one, which to the 12-stepper is... Admitted <laughs> to the twelve we stepper, that is, we admitted we were powerless over our addiction, that our lives had become unmanageable. Which is also known as admitting to total depravity. <laughs> exactly right. The twelve steps are so are are so right down the line with a with a orthodox reformed view of theology. Um, they they just bleed it all the way through. The you know the first several steps are the you know one through three is just coming to grips with the fact that I am powerless, that I am in, that I'm not capable of saving myself. I need help. Yeah, yeah. Now I I want to introduce a thought and then get you guys to respond to it. Um, Nate, your dad was preaching. A, a kind of spiritual experience that says uh, God can and always will provide a miraculous solution slash healing for our problems that is immediate and permanent if to we have every problem. Faith. If we have, if enough, we have faith. enough faith. Okay. And, and thus it's controllable by faith. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, now, I have met people who have said, man, this I had this encounter with God, and he just took away the desire for whatever. And, and it was could have been a sin desire or a, a past struggle, whatever. And, and I believe them. I don't, I don't think they're, they're lying. So I, I totally believe that God can and has and does do that. Yes. Um, but then I also read Paul talking about his thorn in the flesh. Mm-hmm. And, and I pause here to say I, I listen to people discussing his thorn in the flesh, trying to understand what his thorn in the flesh is. Christians, we're trying to help you be smart here. When Paul says that it's a thorn in the flesh, I, I want to tell you, he's 
clearly making it ambiguous, which means he didn't want us to know what it was. So <laughs> if you delve into trying to figure out what it was, you've gone past the author's intent. So anyways, uh, Paul had some issue in his life, which he's ambiguously calling a thorn in the flesh. Prays three times for God to take it away, and God says, no, I will not take it away and give you miraculous healing because that's important for you to struggle with your whole life. Now, was it in the flesh or was it spiritual? The next verse says it's a messenger of Satan. Verse before says it's a thorn in the flesh. Yeah. So is it in the flesh? Yes. Is it spiritual? Yes. Man, that's ambiguous too. Yeah. And it's something that God says, I want you to struggle with this because in your weakness, my power is going to be made perfect. So some of our struggles, it seems God has no desire to free us from because it keeps us dependent on him. And God's okay with our dependent, weak walk so that we grow up. So I think on the 12-step side, we have a, I'm supposed to be trying to perfect myself and become strong in this way when God says, well, yeah, I don't want you to be living in sin, but I want you to be dependent on me. And on the other side, it is this prescriptive, I can control God by my faith. And both sides trying to negate the possibility of what God does, and God says, excuse me, have I shown myself to be just controllable or consistent in any way in Scripture and these things? I've done both. I work in all of these ways. So what are your thoughts as both of you have walked through this? Jump in there, Tal. Uh, well, I, mean, I think those are... Those are really, really good points, uh, and and I do. I mean, I identify with Paul, and you're right. It's, it's purposely ambiguous, you know, a ambiguous there as to you know what the thorn is, and it's and it is both. It I have a higher power in twelve step language, and I have a lower power, and mm -hmm. my thorn in my flesh is a messenger of my lower power. Mm -hmm. uh, that I'm incredibly prone to listen to, um, you know, and so I have to uh, put my attention on my higher power. And do I believe that that God does step in and miraculously heal uh, some addicts? Absolutely, and I, and I know several. He hasn't chosen to work that way with me. Yeah. Uh, and and what I find about my God is he doesn't have a one-size-fits-all to everybody's life. We don't all have the same plan. Uh, but, you know, so we have different uh, we have different streams that we're going to go through, and and, and this is mine, and this is yeah. my battle, and this is my journey. And when I find people that really want to do away with Romans 7, Romans 8, and drive to, but wait a minute, you know, like the email that, that that we started with, you know, that, well, I, you know, I would prefer people to say I have victory over and freedom from. For me, that's really an over-realized eschatology. Mm -hmm. You know, yes, ultimately, yes. But today, I have to know and I have to be able to say this is something that I am still 
vulnerable to. This is something that I am still easily tempted by. This is something that I have to watch out for. This is a battle in my life, and, and that because this is a battle in my life that I am powerless over, I am in desperate need of my Savior to guide me through this. I am in yeah. desperate need. Um, and, and that helps me stay focused. It gives me a daily, constant battle mindset um, that, that is required for me um, to, to go through this. You know, Martin Luther uh, said that the thirst must precede the drink. Mm. And, and boy, doesn't that make it a gift that if it just yeah. went away you'd be just a lazy punk. Exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So that's, that's why I ask people when they come at me with when they come at me with that that well now wait a minute, you're now now you don't you're not an addict anymore. Don't say that. You've got victory over and you've got you've got victory and you know, you've been you you're a new creation. Yes, it's 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 true. And uh, but you know, and they and they want to say that's true of themselves and I go, That's great, that's true for you, but what do you struggle with right now? Yeah. Yeah. Because it all blows away if they've got any sin in their lives. Their entire argument for me is is evaporated, mm-hmm. um, and and they must have. Uh, you know, and yes. for me, the big book says selfishness and self centeredness. This is the root of all of my problems, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and so I need humility, and humility for me comes through a constant admission of my powerlessness over these issues in my life. Yeah, yeah. To me, that's that, that's the great benefit. Uh, you know, twelve step recovery opened doors and windows on the gospel that I had never seen before. It really uh, reinvigorated, uh, resurrected my Christian faith, which was. Uh, uh, I mean, I was, uh, you know, a practical agnostic by the time I got into twelve step, even though I was still attending church, mm-hmm. because it wasn't working. Right. Uh, I'd been I'd been preached at. And I'd done a lot of preaching myself, uh, a lot of moralistic preaching, a lot of being told what not to do. I, but I hadn't been coached. Um, yeah. And the twelve-step community gave me coaching that I ha- that I hadn't had before. Yeah, it's, it's, it's ta- remarkable. It's rem- when you when you add, and this is, and I think this is the crux of the matter for a lot of people uh, in the church about twelve steps is they don't like the disease model. Yeah. Right. Right at the at the end of it, I I hear that that's really kind of James's issue is that he doesn't like the disease model, yeah. um, and, and that's what I find all the time. But when you come into a sickness model, what does Jesus say in Mark two? Um, he's hanging out with tax collectors and sinners, and mm-hmm. people can, which I I love that they're delineated, that they're, they're they're split out. It's tax it's yeah. sinners, and then there's tax collectors. So it's basically <laughs> for me, he was hanging out with addicts and sinners. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I feel the same way about the IRS right now, so I, I have that. Yeah, well, be careful. They're monitoring this. So, um, <laughs> but, uh, but when Jesus heard them complaining about that, the Pharisees and scribes, he says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I came not yeah. to call the righteous, but I came to call sinners. That's us. And, the, and, and he's talking about a sickness model there. That, that there it is. Is the sickness model of recovery, and that takes when 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 we put that model over it, when we put a disease and a sickness over it, then our decision making is removed as a cure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well, I we are running out of time, but I I can't let it go any further without uh, talking here to Crystal from Dirty Girls Ministry, who's called in. So, Crystal, what have you got for Tal Prince? <laughs> 
Oh, there's way too much testosterone in the room right now. Like, we need to have a lady come in here and talk about this a little bit. You know, I, I just wanted to say hi to Tal and all you guys and just, you know, encourage you guys to keep doing what you're doing. Oh, it's great. That's a fantastic lady right there. Oh, I know. She's top top shelf. We love Crystal. Mm-hmm. Hey, what's the uh, – you know what? We're going to have to get you back on the podcast, Crystal. Um, yeah, you do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See, that was short and sweet. There it is. <laughs> uh, do, do you have any? You have any thoughts on this conversation? Yeah, you know, um, personally, I've not, I've not walked the twelve steps. I've talked to Cal about that, you know, but for sure, they are, they are a valid um, way to to approach addiction and to work through yeah. addiction. Yeah. Um, and the book that I wrote, I. I cheated and I used the twelve steps in writing it, but I had made my own steps because I can't be like I can't I can't conform to the ways of the world, yeah. so I have to do do stuff in my own way. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I kind of do the same thing. <laughs> but yeah. for sure, but, but but for sure they're totally based on that, and I think that the Lord will use every um, avenue if you if you're trying yeah. to get well, you know, He'll use everything to to get you there. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, let me ask you this, Crystal, because some of our our uh, listeners may be confused; they may not understand who you are. You're not uh, you're not suggesting um, that there are female sex addicts in the world, are you? <laughs> oh, am I? Um, yeah, actually, I am. Uh, it's actually a very large demographic of porn users are women, so um, it's something that we need to to be very open about and it's yeah. a constant dialogue because, like you said. How how could I even suggest that such a thing? You know, <laughs> women are they're so clean and pretty and they don't do anything wrong like that and That's you know. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well thanks for the reality is, check. It's so good to hear from that you. That is ridiculous. <laughs> you are you are not wearing an ankle length jean skirt right now, are you? <laughs> <laughs> this, this is not now, a homeschool moment. I, no, and I cut my braid off a long time ago and everything else. So um, I'm, 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 I'm a harlot. Female yeah. Christian fashion brought to you by Holly Hobby Catalog. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Thanks so much, uh, Crystal. Thanks You're welcome. Take care, guys. Okay, bye. Bye. Well, Sal, we are reaching the end of our time. Time has flown by. (laughs) Uh, But I want to find out, uh, I I want our listeners to find out what you're up to now, uh, where you see uh, your ministry going. I I love that you and your wife do so much work together uh, and that she uh, uh, speaks into the ministry and speaks for the ministry. And you guys, uh, anyway, talk to our listeners about how they can find you and what you're looking forward to in the future well thank you um you know and it's a, it's a great pleasure to have my wife um be a part of this with me and and uh, because it's it's never just one person that needs recovery uh yeah. you know it, it's a, it's a family system and and uh so she's she's done an awful lot of work and still does work as as do i but uh we do uh a lot of work with you know uh, you know others as well and i am now uh doing a pastoral counseling ministry focused really mostly on you know porn and sex addiction it's a growth mm-hmm. industry if you hadn't noticed um <laughs> 
and and so I'm I'm working on that, doing that. I'm also getting uh, a seminary was great. It did not give me all I need uh, to be an effective counselor, um, and so I'm getting a second degree in counseling right now uh, down here in Birmingham. Uh, so that I can get licensed uh, here in the state, but I am allowed to counsel and be a pastoral counselor, so I'm doing that. Um, also doing, uh, you know, recovery and sobriety coaching, uh, you know, with addicts, you know, as well that aren't here in the local area and do a lot mm-hmm. of group work. Uh, you know, want to, you know, have groups, you know, do, because really, I mean, group work is phenomenal for addicts. I mean, therapists yeah. will tell you all day long, one-on-one in a room alone with a sex addict, I've got no shot. Uh, yeah. You know, with with a group, now things begin to really change and and, and happen, uh, and so you know we we do that, and uh, I travel and speak an awful lot on, on this issue. Uh, on pornography and sex addiction in the church, also how to safeguard the home, safeguard the family, how to raise your kids in this type of a day and age, um, you know, because most parents really don't know, uh, and so we really do a lot of lot of work on that. Um, I, I can be found. There's, uh, I, I'm. You can find me at Premier Speakers Bureau. Uh, people can book me through Premier Speakers Bureau. Um, you know, they're, they're Christian speakers. Uh, you can go mm-hmm. to their website, uh, PremierSpeakers.com. Um, they're they're based slash. in Franklin, by the way. Yeah, okay. They they are. Yeah. And uh, so PremierSpeakers.com forward slash Christian uh, and then forward slash uh, put my name there and, and you'll find me. Uh, and so I, I love to do that. It is uh, – it's incredibly rewarding. Love and, and my wife is also a great speaker and comes out with me a great deal. Uh, we were at Church of the Apostles in Atlanta, um, you know, earlier this spring, and, and uh, had a great, great time there. And, uh, just a great response there. And, and I loved Michael Youssef, the pastor there. Started out the year saying uh, he, he publicly repented. And, and, mm. and said, I've I've not paid attention to this issue. I've had my head in the sand on this issue, and I apologize. And we are going to really deal with this. And um, and, and so they they brought me in as a result, which was a great you know great time. Yeah. And, and uh, so there's there's a lot there. So I do I do counseling. You can email me at um, Tal T is and Tom A L at the Waiting Father. Um, that's kind of the waiting father dot com that's that's uh that's my counseling email uh you can email me there and I'd be happy to help you out if i can and uh and if not find some find somebody in your area that can i can i can help with that and happy to uh talk and help with anybody uh who's ready to deal with their issues you know i mean most of us don't realize for a very long time that we're just a man in a wheelchair convinced I can climb a ladder. Yeah, and um, you know, I did that for a very, very long time. My, my favorite acronym for denial is "Don't even notice I am lying." And, uh, <laughs> and I lived there. Holy cow! I lived there for a long time. And uh, yeah, yeah. you don't have to. There is hope, and there is there is a way out. And and Jesus is that way out. And He loves you, and He's not disappointed in you, and He's not angry at you. And uh, it's the beauty of the waiting Father. Uh, he's waiting for you to come home. That's beautiful. Awesome. That's beautiful. Well, Tal, well, thank you week, so much. Well, next week, we've got Pete Allenson from Gee Life and uh, Mark Kuchamba <laughs> of Father's Heart coming up after that. But we want some uh, letters in our mailbag. We didn't have any this week. Uh, surely you will have thoughts about what Tal had to say. 
or some of our amazing uh, forgiveness guests we've had in the past few weeks. So shoot those to us at... Oh, either samsonpodcast at gmail.com or piratemonkradio at gmail.com. We'll get it either place. Or message us on the Facebook page. If you listen to us on iTunes, make sure to like us, write a review, do something to uh, to help promote the show. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Time has flown. It's been a great time. Uh, once again, Tal, thank you, brother. What a, what a oh, wonderful conversation. You. And uh, until next week, Nate, say goodbye for Aaron Mondo and Jay Spiegel on the Pirate Monk Recovery, say what?